But honestly, sometimes it scares me. I don't know what we do here. <laughs> this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 187 for the week of January 15th, 2018. Go Apprentice, David T. Cole, and I'm here with slightly guilty florist, Tara Ariano. I mean, I'll take his money, but it's every day. Protocol disrupting bit of breakfast, Eve Beatty. You're a real fucking asshole. And cooler version of himself, Tim Aholt. No, seriously, I have high cholesterol. to Extra Hot Great. We have a couple of announcements right up top. First of all, what you did not hear in our intro was our co-host, Sarah Debunting, who came down with the plague this morning, so she's not able to join us, alas. Uh, but uh, as it happens, we do have two guests, all, or did have already, two guests lined up, so there will still be your full normal complement of Extra Hot Great personalities. Joining us is returning champion Eve Beatty and first-time guest Tim Ahold. Hello! Yay! Howdy! Um, So we, uh, one more announcement. Um, You may hear some noise in the background. (laughs) Apparently they decided to start installing a stop sign in San Francisco where Tim and Eve both are uh, like two seconds before we started recording. So sorry, but it's force majeure. All right. On to the discussion, which is of counterpart and back in December, Eve emailed us and said, if you are going to be talking about counterpart, uh, we would like to come on and here is why. So Eve, please recap for the listener uh, what your case was for you to uh, join us for this discussion, please. Well, it's really like they created the show for us. First, um, <laughs> you know, Tim and I, uh, we watched and podcast for previously TV, um, The Deuce, another show in which a white man gets to play two roles. Um, <laughs> so we, we've got the twins things nailed. Um, we also... Our favorite episodes of Fringe were the ones involving the two universes. And, you know, like we're going to talk about, it's obviously this show has a, owes a great debt to Fringe. And we loved that two universes thing so much that we started sort of a business making, you know, alternate universe San Francisco t-shirts. That's mm-hmm. how down we are for stuff like that. So that's, I don't know, that's plenty for me. Plus, wasn't there a, a personal connection for Tim? Oh, well, Tim, what? I'll allow you to address that. Uh, which part? The part where you're from that country. Oh, yes, I am <laughs> from that country. I'm from that country and from here. That's right. The country in question being Germany. Yes. Being very cagey. Yes, uh, um, yes I'm so from a country. Well, you it, know, it's, it, it's, it's hard <laughs> to admit being an immigrant these days. It's, uh, it's Trump's America. So I'm just like, yes, I am from another land. Where I'm, it's not like that's you're true. from a shithole country. That's right. I'm not. Well, I'm from Trump's people country. So that's good, right? Yes, Eve is the only true American on this podcast. So um, we're here to talk about Counterpart on Stars. Now, the the official premiere is this Sunday, the 21st, but it already was sneak peeked in December. So we're we feel free discussing the events of the pilot um, because, you know, it's been out for close to a month at this point. So, you know, it's 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 been now anyways. Yes, it's been available to you. So uh, this is the the premise of the show is J.K. Simmons is Howard Silk. He works for some kind of agency. We don't know if it's governmental or what. It seems to have some kind of spy-esque element with, you know, people on either side of glass reading 
coded phrases to each other in a very controlled environment. He's been he's he wants to get a promotion. He's been trying to work his way up. He's been at this agency, whatever it is, for 29 years, but it's not going to happen. And then uh, one day he gets called in or his his past doesn't work. He gets called in for a special discussion and finds out uh, he has a doppelganger. And in fact, everyone has a doppelganger because this agency is over what's called the crossing, which is an opening that that happened after an experiment back during communist times, I believe they said, when there was Germany and East Germany. And they, they, got, they opened a portal to a parallel universe. But ever since the portal opened, the paths of the two universes have been diverging more and more. And now what's happening is uh, someone on the other side is assassinating people. And so Howard's double, the much cooler version of himself, as Tim mentioned in the intro, um, has had to switch places with Howard so they can try and track this person down. Is that a fair assessment of the pilot events? It yeah. is. It's part yeah. fringe, part sliding doors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Part yeah. atomic blonde. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, atomic anyway. bald. Yeah, um, yeah. This this uh, pilot really uh, intrigued me. I was uh, very interested in this. It is sort of like grown up fringe. Um, it's fringe with with swears. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite as goofy as fringe. So can fringe, can we just can we call that kid counterpart then? If if this is grown up fringe, yeah. Oh, this is like the oh. So fringe yes. is like the Muppet. It's like the Muppet Babies. Of counterpart, basically. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's valid. I mean, yeah. that's not to put down Fringe, but no. Fringe is you know I love much Muppet more Babies. Broad. Yeah, oh, totally Muppet Babies. They're they're Star Wars and Indiana Jones episodes. Mwah. <laughs> really good stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this is just you know obviously it's it this has got some budget. It's got some big names. Um, you know, it's filmed on location. It's you know it's it's some. Serious biz going down here. Yeah. Well, and did you? Uh, I mean, according to my my best friend Wikipedia, they already ha are they're doing two season, like two ten episode seasons. So stars, you know, is making an investment in this too. That you know that they're confident enough to have put this on after Outlander. I think that that's how they dropped the pilot, like the sneak peek. And that's that, correct. Yeah, and they're pushing it so hard, and that they've already bought two seasons suggests yeah. to me my biggest fear about this. Pilot, intriguing pilot is that they aren't going to be able to fulfill the promise of it. But if they've got two seasons, I feel like somebody has things mapped out well enough that it won't just yeah. be like, a, oh, God. Yeah. And speaking about that mapping, what I was struck by the pilot was that how steady it seemed to move. It didn't seem rushed, but it mm -hmm. really packed a lot of show into that one hour. Like a lot of stuff happened. The premise, the evolution of the premise to the first aha moment like that was a lot for a pilot but it didn't seem rushed like i felt like it was like a slow burn appropriate to the subject matter you know sort of this cold like you know it's just a it's a cold war story told in a with fringe wrapping so far that's what we have it's and, also it has i would say it has noirish elements as well exactly mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it does yeah. and and i thought the pacing was just fabulous in in in, in this pilot like the the economy of the script without me feeling like i was getting the bums rushed through the story was really well done <laughs> yeah. and yeah. you know they take their time with a lot of things a lot of little character moments and stuff like that that really flesh out 
uh, the people that we, you know, the main characters at least that we see so far. And I was, I was, I was impressed by. Them. Well, I also felt like they took us they, that they respected our intelligence enough to. We rewatched it a couple of days ago since you know it had been a while since it had first dropped, and that there isn't a lot of exposition. They really trust you to pay attention and they, you know, to just sort of let things unfold. So there isn't a, well, you know, we've got two universes now, you know, and they, they yeah. so easily could have happened. And I think that to your point of like, trust you to pay attention and it, what, just kind of getting on topic off topic, but this ties into this is I, I just wanted to go into like how beautiful the show is. is and, and that's yeah. how they kind of, they hook you into like, well, maybe I should pay attention to this. And it's not, it's pretty for sake of being pretty, but it's also pretty to kind of lock you in. I mean, the, the opening sequence is like gorgeous. And I, now that I think about it, very German looking, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> it's very, it just is. No, it does. And um, <laughs> I just noticed that they, um, just from my working in the photo department at the paper years ago, they burn and darken the corners of, of all the frames, like an old oh, photo. Wow. And I went back and I, I'm, had he kind of rewind it the second time watching him, I was like, man, they really do this. They did, they do this old vignette kind of burn was really, really, really subtle sometimes, but, um, on this frame to make it look like this weathered photo, which is like the first thing I learned when I got into photo and they do all these little subtle things, um, to make it feel noir or, um, dated, but a, kind of a timeless thing, mm-hmm. you know, with all the, with the fashion, with, with the furniture, you know, um, they do that whole mid-century modern thing, which is old, but it's mm-hmm. it that's always in style, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. and yeah. Um, it, it's so smart because I think all these little visual things really kind of hook you in and force you to pay attention to the acting and the dialogue. And story but also, also like the cues that you're in the other universe, like mm-hmm. that weird phone. At the yep. beginning scene. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, yeah. it's the crazy, like it's the foam made out of like plexiglass with a light inside yeah. or something like, well, OK, you know, um, yeah, it's just it's just gorgeous, you know, um, and uh, yeah, it's gorgeous without having makeup on, though. Like it's it's they managed to make a lot of like the East German brutalist architecture that's involved, especially inside the bowels of, you know, the crossing building. Like that's some ugly shit, but it's. <laughs> it's shot so well and so compellingly, you know, and so stylistically that it really is beautiful. But it feels right though. Like anybody who's had to go like oh. deal with shit with their passport or jury duty <laughs> or something like that, right. Mm-hmm. Has been in a building that looks vaguely like the building where Howard works. Yeah. So I feel like we have that touchstone. Yeah. To, is that, Oh, they make sure it looks like that when you go to the German consulate here in San Francisco. Oh, that's right. (laughs) They make you. They make sure. No, no, we're just going to keep that the same. But it also tugs on these uh, these uh, uh, nostalgic kind of nodes within us. Maybe our specific generation or or Mm -hmm. demographic, you know, where this ugly stuff can be can be very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the central performance because you you touched on this a little bit when you were mentioning the deuce. How do you think? Oscar winner J.K. Simmons is in his dual role as Howard Silk versus Oscar mere nominee James Franco uh, in The Deuce, since you you covered I, that one in great depth. I, I wrote this down um, just to let you know. That's fascinating that I wrote something down. But <laughs> I, it's one of the it's one of the better uh, that one actor has done one of the better character uh changes uh, or dual roles that that 
the the gold standard, in my opinion, is, is Spencer Tracy from the original uh, Jekyll and Hyde, because it was done with no makeup. And the second he just rests his face in a specific way, you know, it's cool. J.K. Simmons or whatever. <laughs> you don't yeah. need anything else. And very little in the way of fashion, too, even when they. He was wearing the same clothes as his counterpart. You knew who was who. He didn't have to say fuck off or whatever, you know. And uh, yeah, um, you know, newsflash, J.K. Simmons is really fucking good at what he does. Um, <laughs> well, you know, something with the deuce is, you know, and obviously it's so hard not to have everything sort of colored by it. We, listen, we all knew that James Franco was an alleged creep when we were covering the deuce too, and I'm sure we alluded to it one time or another, but now that more people are making allegations about how he treated them, um, it's hard not to sort of be like, and also he's an asshole, but I, but as with everything James Franco does, you felt him working so hard and like, what do you think of me now, dad? Or whatever, (laughs) you know, with everything he's up to. And I know like when we talked about the deuce, it's like I always wanted to like give credit where credit was due. And it's like it's clear James Franco's working very hard on these two roles here. With J.K. Simmons, he makes it look so effortless. And I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's a lot of hard work because, you know, this guy has not had an easy career, but he makes it look effortless. You don't feel him sweating it. And, you know, that's sort of the difference between being like, well, I'm going to acknowledge James Franco for his good work and forgetting that there is only yeah. one actor playing this two I keep roles. forgetting it. And yeah, yeah to mm-hmm. Ethan's point, it's like, I never feel that J.K. Simmons is showing off yeah. or trying mm-hmm. to prove so much. I'm just constantly floored that it's one guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah there's there's one shot where they've been, uh, after this, the revelation has been made to, you know, our, our universe, Howard, uh, that he has a double and they've been left alone in his apartment to sort of like hang out before they have to do their op because everything happens at night on the show because it's a noir (laughs) thing but they're sitting across from each other first Howard is on the couch the other cool Howard is in the chair and like all he has to do is like just change his posture you know like like uncool Howard is so shambling like at a certain another point he's standing and I'm like have they padded him to be dork Howard because he looks like more doughy but it really is just it's just his posture. Like that's, that's all it kind of takes. I mean, the way he talks to you, of course, when he's, you know, refusing the funnel cake, like I really can't, I have high cholesterol, like back it up with the funnel cake. I'm so glad you brought up that funnel cake thing because that to me, they were like, like whatever. I don't want to sound all fucking film school and stuff. I hate those people, but there were so many layers to that moment. It was just like his eagerness to share and to make a connection. And then to have that sort of shut down that whole thing. There's something about that that like hit me right in the heart too yeah it's like it's so rare that you know you feel sort of like that level of heart with what is ostensibly you know a sci-fi show and one that has all the trappings of being very cold with it's berlin and it's you know bauhaus design that i don't know there's something about that that oh god you know i like i got the hairs going up just thinking about that it was so good and i feel like that's Given how we learn in the sort of the final scene that cool howard was not being straight with you know, our Howard on so many things. I feel like it's mm-hmm. setting the tone for a lot of like really interesting deception as things go on. Does he even have high cholesterol? We know that right. the lady's alive. Maybe he just didn't want to eat. Ah, do we <laughs> though? Post credit scene where he's just downing waffle cakes then. I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's one of those people that claims they're vegan and makes bacon at home. <laughs> yeah. How great would it be to have 
the kick-ass version of yourself be able to do stuff for you. There's a scene in this where Howard goes to the hospital, uh, new Howard, uh, cool Howard goes to the hospital to visit not cool Howard's wife for spy reasons. Right. And while there, he confronts a brother-in-law who's been trying to basically get him to sign a contract to get him out of the, uh, wife business right <laughs> and cool howard really uh pulls a power play on uh this brother-in-law who's played by uh leah dama from Battlestar galactica yep uh, oh i knew there was a reason i knew he was a weasel from the get-go oh yeah <laughs> using it's confusing because he's using his real accent as dave yeah. said yeah. yeah um and he you know you know, to the from the perspective of Leah Dama, he is gone from nerd to you know it's that beach ad. You know, like it's the muscle bound beach guy now, <laughs> and uh, you're not going to kick sand in my face anymore. I was just thinking how how much I would appreciate having the very cool David T. Cole, who's not afraid of confrontation. To come <laughs> that says into a my lot, life. though, that you don't think you're the cool version of See, David T. Cole. Yeah, Dave. I was just going to say <laughs> well, that's really interesting. The other side is like even wimpier, even more scared. <laughs> Intended David T. Cole. I saw you kill a bug last week. I don't know. Wow, Dave, you killed a whole bug? He yeah. did. Wow. Dave, I think you are the cool version of yourself. I think this is it. God, See, what does that say about me? I think, you know, this is terrible. This is, a, if I think I'm the cool version of myself, this is as good as it gets. Well, you know. That's way better. Your thinking is way better. Honey, you have a full head of hair, though. You got that. Compared to J.K. Simmons, you're winning there. Yeah. Guys, the guy's like a thousand years old and ten times as jacked as I am, though. That's true. Yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah. Nope. He is really... He's he's in very good shape. He's no Bruce Greenwood, but he's got it going on. <laughs> so, Counterpart. Yeah. Anything else we need to say other than it's good and people should watch it? I do want to say one more thing. Um, Please. Is um, regarding his wife uh, when he. Yeah, cool. we should we should acknowledge Olivia uh, Williams plays his wife um, of Dollhouse fame. When when he when when Cool Howard goes back and he says, and it, you know, me sitting there with his with his wife as what well, he said, died of cancer. Um, and we're like, oh, that son of a bitch is a liar. We don't know that we are under the assumption that there are only two planes or two universes because they right. did this in Fringe where all of a sudden there was this third thing. Um, and given how unhacky this show is, just based off this one episode, they could really do something cool. We're like, and given the way she talks to him is like, you know, his... The, or worm. Maybe yeah. they already switched places. Maybe they already did. Maybe the yes. person in the coma is the. We don't know this. So yeah. I, 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 that is, is very exciting to me. You know what I mean? That yeah. that there is number one, the wives could have switched places already, or this is a third counterpart. I'm just saying the way she pulled her hands away. I don't know if she yeah, was like dude, we're yeah. not fucking married. Yeah. But that could mean anything. That could mean we were married and now we're not anymore and he wants them to still be and she doesn't. Or we have no relationship, so quit acting yeah. like we do. Or we had an argument four, or yeah, you four did, minutes ago. You didn't ago. vacuum the car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally not related That's to anything true. in real life. <laughs> yeah, these are sort of the exciting moments of a new TV show, you know, when everything yeah. is possible. And then, like, your, your, your fan theory part of your brain is super active yeah, yeah. i really enjoy 
is part of a show. And But I also think in terms of the soft sci-fi elements that they handle it right where it's like they don't try to over explain it. It's like a portal open like that's all you need to know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're not they don't try and throw a bunch of fake science at you for you to pick apart lost. Like yeah. it's just this is what it is and we're going from this premise it's a balloon forward. and something bad happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, they really took a page from, you know, zombie shows, which I think they've got it right. The Dead Arising, you know, I yeah. feel like if more shows just did their version of The Dead Arising, you know, we could save ourselves a lot of time and boring business. I totally agree. Okay. Yep. It is time to go around the dial. Our first stop, Tara Ariana. Hello. I'm going to talk about two different um, freeform shows. The first is not so good. The Alone Together is the new sitcom, which has been paired on Wednesday nights with Grownish, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is very good. Uh, this stars Esther Povitsky, who may be best known to v- listeners of this podcast as uh, she's one of the, the she's the mousy lawyer on. Um, Crazy ex-girlfriend. Oh, my God. Crazy ex-girlfriend with long, dark hair, wears big glasses, trying to be friends with Daryl, her, and Benji Aflalo, who I've never seen before. And the premise of the show is that these two, uh, they're trying to break into comedy. They are platonic best friends. They don't have a relationship. And so... Several times in the first episode, we have to hear everyone around them being like, why don't they just date each other? Like, that's not how things work. <laughs> like, just because people get a, get along doesn't mean they have to date, which is maybe the premise of this show. Or maybe it's that over time they realize they should be dating. I do not know. Uh, also, um, for a pilot, they really lean heavily on the idea that Esther... Uh, thinks that she's fat and is like super duper insecure like there are multiple scenes of her talking about wishing she were hotter and that she's you know dumpy and frumpy and whatever and it's like okay one would have been plenty like it's a half hour show i don't need to have this scene repeated five times um so at this point we've only we they gave us uh screeners for episode one and then three through five so uh, by the time you listen to this another episode will be airing tonight which i have not seen um Apparently it's about her selling her eggs or something. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to keep watching the show. There were enough funny moments like when the two of them just relaxed and acted like friends as opposed to like being in extremely over scripted situation-y situations. Like they were very likable when they were just talking like people because uh, I think they're better comics than they are actors probably. Um, so I may watch a couple more, but uh, this does not get a strong recommendation from me. It's an interesting premise i guess and i was inc- i was hopeful because it's produced by the lonely island but mm, we'll see however at the other end of the spectrum on freeform is the fosters which is back um for the second half of its current season and they're already coming in hot with a big anti-ice storyline so yes to the fosters uh i haven't always supported them with their teen drama elements and they're one of the many shows where it's like people who are loosely related or otherwise it would be inappropriate for them to date end up dating and having sex fortunately they seem to have dropped that whole thing with brandon and callie being brother and sister and trying to fuck all the time so that's good um but there's their activism elements are much better done and they definitely take advantage of both their setting which is san diego and their 
like multi-ethnic cast who come from a variety of different backgrounds um, and using those characters to build out storylines that are really socially relevant and urgent. And in the, in the mid season premiere, they have a family that's like the, the parents uh, are undocumented immigrants. Their kids both have DACA. One kid has DACA who was not born there. The other is a citizen. Um, And the, 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 they show exactly what happens when ice rounds people up and arrests them and tears the family apart and how horrifying it is. And we have one kid in having sanctuary in a church. And um, I started bawling because it was this, it aired the same day as those, uh, or I watched it the day of um, all the raids on the seven 11s last week. So it's like, it's an extremely urgent storyline for people of all ages to see, but I especially admire Freeform for directing this at teens because um, it's rough and kids need to know and uh, good job, the Fosters. And also Children. abolish ice. Children. Future. Future. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have oh, plugs. I'm sorry. Plug. <laughs> My plugs are as follows. Uh, Sarah and I are once again covering uh, Project Runway. This this season, of course, that's on now is not Project Runway regulars. Project Runway All-Stars. But you can see our coverage with lots of pictures <laughs> Every Thursday night. And I will also mention the absent Sarah's plugs, which are I am also <laughs> pending Sarah not dying today. I'm going to be joining her on the blotter this week to talk about the assassination of Gianni Versace season two of American Crime Story. And in addition to that, Sarah will also be doing epic old school recaps of that very show. So uh, check us out on the blotter on Wednesday morning. And Sarah's big uh, recap will be up after the episode airs Wednesday night. Eve, what is your round? Tara, I had a quick question about Runway All-Stars. Do you okay. have a sense of when, like, it was in the can, like, in terms of Georgina Chapman's life? Oh, uh, I, they, I'm sure that it was. They, it's not addressed, but I'm okay. sure it was because it never comes up. So it's not like, you know, one week she shows up and she's looking very haggard and the next week she shows up and she's got like a huge case of money or anything. Uh, No, I'm sure they finished filming this like before any of that stuff happened. Or it's possible that at a certain point in the season she will abruptly disappear. But I at least at this point in the season, it seems like this is this is pre scandal. Cool. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. I appreciate yep. that. Um, it was a little less than a year ago that my esteemed colleague, uh, Kim Reed, uh, suggested in this very section that people tune into, at that time, season two of The Magicians. Um, season one of The Magicians, it was like a have it on while you're doing the laundry show, in my opinion. The Magicians, if you're unaware, is this uh, show based on, I believe, a series of novels. I don't know. I, yes, I think so. That up. And it's on sci-fi. It's sort of like a, you know, Harry Potter meets the Chronicles of Narnia kind of thing. First season, it was like, you know, it was like fine. It was like a little too heavy on this one white guy being sort of the chosen one for my taste. But I still had it going. And then in between seasons, I was on a flight next to a mercenary from Blackwater who had just gotten into it. So we talked about it a whole bunch. So I was like, well, you know, if this Merc's watching it, I'll watch... Season two. <laughs> and the first episode of season two, which I think is when Kim talked about it. I, I remember the very specifically this moment where I was like, oh, I am in the tank for this show. It like season two started. It was completely energized and it was cooler and less like goofy magic fantasy because I hate all that shit. The 
third season just hit, and there was a scene like that again, just in case you were wavering, where two of my favorite characters, this one guy, a um, guy from a uh, shitty rural part of Indiana who moved to the big city and reinvented <laughs> himself, don't know why that hits a note with me, and his uh, best friend, um, a woman, um, basically his fag hag, um, have a whole coded conversation using pop culture references to forward the plot because they're being eavesdropped upon by evil elves. But it's so great because it's like, so anyway, he gossip girled her. It's so great. It's <laughs> so smart. And it t- basically it's like if you as a kid like the Chronicles of Narnia and then when you grew up, realize that it's super gross and religious and sick and hates Muslims <laughs> um, and you liked Harry Potter. But at the same time, you're also like there's a lot of like white people doing stuff and a lot of dumb things too. this show like fucks all that stuff like so hard in the ear and um it's just good the performances are getting better it's really dark it kills people um and if even if you hate fantasy i strongly suggest that you pick it up and you can you can pick it up like from here and be fine don't worry about it okay sci-fi pr department i hope you're listening uh i think you have your uh pull quote (laughs) (laughs) you know what if everyone's saying shithole they can say fuck you in the ear that's what i say it's just a matter of time before the president says that too um for my plug um i uh back when it was on television um on the broadcast i uh wrote about big little lies for previously tv and i am so glad that i had the opportunity to do that because the show was terrific which we didn't know how it was going to be at the time guys and it ended up winning i think quite rightfully um a bunch of uh, golden globes and i think that you know it's a great show I think that especially it's especially timely now um, that people are talking about all of this garbagey men stuff. And there are so many great garbagey men who, spoiler alert, many of whom get what they deserve. Um, You know, if you haven't watched Big Little Lies or you're gearing up for a rewatch, I hope that you'll also uh, read my coverage on Previously TV because I went back and read it and I think that um, the cooler version of myself wrote it because it's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's so excellent. That's it for me. Yep. Big Little Guys, Lies, Previously TV. Tim. Yes. I don't have anything that cool. I'm, I'm going to be talking about popping zits. <laughs> so um, anyway, a, a couple years ago, uh, this woman on YouTube uh, rose to fame. Uh, she's Dr. Sandra Lee. She's a cosmetic surgeon. She does some... Some surgeries like remove cysts and like lipomas and stuff like that. That's definitely a taste thing. If you're into that kind of thing, you know, you can kind of go down the YouTube hole of like watching this kind of stuff. (laughs) But it turns out (laughs) this um, she mainly does cosmetic surgery, but she's done a couple of videos of like comedome extractions. Like that's basically a fancy word for blackheads. And it really, really took off. She has over three million YouTube subscribers and Apparently, she just got a show on TLC. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I know. Oh, oh, yeah. It's 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 what you'd expect. Um, What's the show called, Tim? It's called Dr. Pimple Popper. Um, Obviously. And um, yeah, duh. Say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, in, the YouTube channel is definitely more medical. Um, I think some of the stuff is fascinating. And um, the cool thing is that the people that go on the show or are on, even if it's filmed for YouTube, it's clearly being done for free. 
Um, some of these growths, you know, would cost like a ton of money and they're getting the stuff removed free and it clearly like helps them. Plus it like scratches that itch because <laughs> I don't have a lipoma to remove and feel satisfied <laughs> by it. Um, but uh, someday you, I believe you know in what? you. <laughs> you got to have goals, you know, and one day my ship's going to come in doggone. I'm going to get a lipoma and I'm going to cut it out myself <laughs> and it's going to go really well on YouTube. So there. Um, but she now has a line of her own, like zit popping tools and it's odd, but if you're into this, it's kind of, I wouldn't even say fun. It's satisfying. No, I get it. Um, I totally get it. The, the like, if you're a popper, you like, you get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Is this like a custom filter? No, I bet you, no, no. Atari, you're, you're a popper, aren't you? <laughs> popper, you I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> Can you appreciate a good popper? Do you like doing it yourself? Would you like- I mean, yes, of course. We, on a recent episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Josh gets a huge uh, zit. Um, and then yeah. he goes to pop it at the bar when he's just been like handling people's dirty glasses and it gets all infected. And like at the time, oh, even when like dear. before the infection happens, I was like, Josh, no, <laughs> no, no. Cause once you go down that road, you open right. that sucker up. Yep. You got to just be in it for the long haul. Yeah. You're in a filthy anyway. environment. That's not the way to do it. I, I get it. <laughs> not I in the bar. No. But never. anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Pimple Popper, TLC. Um, obviously, we're there. I'll to just learn, mention this too. You know? I know that Eve used to watch Botched, and I imagine this this probably is of interest to the same viewership. Would you say that yes. is accurate? Okay. Yes, but it, it hits home a little bit more because it's not you haven't fucked yourself up. No, every you know? but everyone has every, had because a, has had it's a so pimple. much more. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the thing is <laughs> like 90% of her practice is cosmetic surgery and like sort of larger, you know, thing like these large lumps or whatever. And it's only when she started popping these little zits mm-hmm. where all of a sudden like her channel just like completely blew up. And it's because everyone's had a pimple. Well, if I may um, make an analogy, like the difference between yes. Dr. Pimple Popper and botched is the difference between like when you see someone in a TV show, like get a bad paper cut versus getting shot. Like one yeah. is way more upsetting than the other because it's more relatable. Yeah. Same thing with Dr. Pimple Popper versus botched. Yes. Uh, to put, I, to put a button on this, uh, I thought that, you were comparing Dr. Pimple Popper to Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, no. Botched. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, Tim, what do you got to plug? Um, I guess I'll just plug our shop, Avenues Dry Goods in San Francisco. We're also on the various social medias. Uh, if you're ever in San Francisco, uh, swing by our shop. Say hi. Talk it's about it, you know what? Listeners have come in. It's yeah. It's been a delight. Is that true? Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> it's always it's it's always fun to uh, meet listeners and then I give them all the really good dirt about um Sarah and Dave and Tara <laughs> so they they know the true story. <laughs> I don't know what's worse than hearing about my pimples, but sure. All right, let's talk about Wormwood. This is the uh, Errol Morris documentary, six-part doc six-part documentary. Six-part docudrama, yeah. Yeah, on uh Netflix, you may know Oral uh Errol Morris from his Nine Lives commercials, I guess. I don't know. What was the show? <laughs> Doctor Death, right? That's that's the one we saw in the theaters. Uh, that right? We saw that, and we also saw um, the one with uh, Robert McNamara. Right, Fog of War. This is a docu drama, so it is part you know traditional documentary, and then there are reenactments and imaginations and uh, what ifs. Um, filmed with uh, Peter Sarsgaard, 
uh, Tim Blake Nelson, Nelson Blake. Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson. <laughs> Uh, and others. Um, and it is a story about this CIA um, contractor, contracted scientist who was supposedly working on germ warfare stuff. And he mysteriously dies um, jumping out of like the 10th floor in a New York apartment building. And there's all the scuttlebutt about Hotel. the CIA was lacing his drinks with LSD and his family, you know, it's, it's, it's all about his son's sort of, boy, it's not really even, like, it doesn't really even come across as a crusade uh, by the time Errol Morris gets to him because it's like he's sort of quasi-defeated or not defeated, but resigned to where uh, here in 2017 the story lies. But, you know, they, they lay out this 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 path where he's discovering how deep this goes and what the LSD means in the bigger picture, uh, geopolitically, what it has to say about what the CIA does to American citizens and all this sort of, uh, you know, cloak and dagger stuff that's going on. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. And this show is so beautiful. We were talking about uh, counterpart and how well it shot. Like this really feels like like he's Errol Morris is approaching the reenactments and the the drama part of the docudrama in the same way that like I tackle my photography like it is so considered and every shot is like a feast for the eyes and on top of that there's this whole collage work uh motif going through it because the son the the main interviewer e in the series is that was his thing in school uh, the collage method so a lot of the sort of information is presented in newspaper clipping collages and stuff like that um it is like no matter whether the conspiracy part of it really appeals to you or not like this was just such a feast for the eyes and it takes its time over six episodes to sort of lay out everything that's going on it's not a particularly fast moving documentary, but it really is interesting from A to Z. Tara, you watched it with me. What did you think? Yeah, they build the story so in in the stages, sort of in the way that the Olsen family, this this uh, this man's survivors, kind of found it out. Where there's sort of like there's the moments of 1953 when he died. Um, then there, you know, there's a lot of stuff around 1975 when they found out or were told that he committed suicide because he sort of had paranoid attacks and hallucinations after the LSD dosing. And then later still, when it seems like that was a cover story for something even worse and that he wasn't, he, he didn't commit suicide. He was executed. Uh, according to the, like, see, like a textbook story out of the CIA's assassination manual, like it was exactly what is advised to make something look, you know, uh, give you plausible deniability after the person dies. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, an exhumation and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, he tries to enlist Seymour Hirsch, who's a, still a writer for The New Yorker, in in doing an expose on this because he was involved in the story in 1975. And and he sort of is like, yeah, some, some sketchy shit went down and I can't talk about it because my source, I can't burn my source. And is really mm -hmm. pugnacious in his interview, too, by the way, like really yeah. has a, a lot of attitude. Um, 
but yeah, it's fascinating. Dave is right. It's beautiful to look at. Like every, every plot is, every shot feels so well balanced. Like it's just very pleasing to the eye, but that also adds to the dreamlike element of the reenactments where like, you're not sure, you know, because some of it is, is based on documented fact that they can prove. And a lot of it, the rest of it is sort of conjectural and it's sort of that the, so the, the acted parts blur that line in a really effective way where at the end of it, you're like, well, we probably can't know, but we can probably make a pretty educated guess of what actually happened. Yeah. It is time for the canon and today's canon pitch comes from Angie. It is Justified Season 2, Episode 9, Brothers Keeper. Take it away, Angie. Hi, guys. It's Angie. I previously submitted an episode of 30 Rock that took four years to get posted, only to be voted down by six guests. Believe it or not, it's still a highlight of my life. But I'm back on the horse and happy to submit for discussion in 2021, Season 2, Episode 9 of Justified, Brothers Keeper. While Justified was a great show from start to finish, season two's involvement of the Bennett clan, led by the superb Margot Martindale as Mags, was by far the most compelling. Nowhere is that clearer than in this episode, which exists almost entirely by having the various players of this season interacting at a party at Mags' house. Mags is throwing this party under the pretense of showing Carol Johnson of the Black Pike Mining Company the way of life she is supposedly trying to preserve. The who's who of Harlan are all in attendance, with the exception of Winona, Raylan's ex-wife current sex buddy, whose dumb theft of evidence money has been a thorn in Raylan's professional paw for several episodes, and Art, Raylan's U.S. Marshal boss, who is, understandably if not quite credibly, sick of Raylan doing whatever he wants, whether it's legal or not, but not sick enough to do anything about it besides act like an icy bitch. I generally love art, but that whole plot line got very nut up or shut up to me. The lack of these two characters actually improves the episode by ignoring the plot lines you don't have to give a shit about and stuffing more into the ones you do. Like the fact that Boyd, who is never not looking out for himself, has figured out that a lot of the properties Black Pike wants to buy aren't valuable for the coal that might be under them, but the road that can be put on top of them. Boyd has secured a key location in the home of Arlo and the sainted Aunt Helen. So though Boyd has been working for Carol, he does not hesitate to align himself with Mags. These two have Black Pike by the short ones, and the scene watching Carol learn that she doesn't have and probably never had the upper hand is amazing. Oh, Mags, you haven't done your homework. The properties you're holding out are worthless for coal. Parking lots and hillsides. Why in God's name would my company agree to that deal? Well, it's not about the coal, Miss Johnson. It never was. Then what? Look at the map, honey. State roads can't carry coal trucks up that mountain. No way to get them there. You want the riches to stop this piece of Appalachia, you're going to have to build your own road. And the road you need to build runs through the properties I hold. So, Boyd here sussed it out, looked at the pinch points for grading a lane wide enough for your trucks. He come to me and we worked out a little deal of our own. The Indian line property owned by Helen Arlo Gibbons is the last parcel. I was able to convince them to put their trust in me. Without that property, without them, without me, there is no Green Mountain Project. 
nor will there ever be. Black Pike will cut its losses and move on to the next hill with empty hands. Oh, sugar. <laughs> they didn't tell you that, did they? Sent you in blind to close the deal without ever cluing you in on the particulars. Funny way to run a business. But then... You pick the devil you run with. Margot Martindale's Mags comes across as a master fisher as she feeds Carol enough line so that she assumes Harlan will be no more trouble than any other town she's secured, only to find herself flopping on the deck, gasping and pissed as hell. Speaking of Mags, this episode really focuses on the love she has for her surrogate daughter, Loretta. Mags apple pied Loretta's dad in the first episode of this season, and the tender savageness Mags dispatched him with is both easy to forget and constantly humming in the background. It's absolutely clear that Mags truly adores Loretta, and the episode starts with Mags brushing Loretta's hair and prettying her up for the big party. Mags dotes on... AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! on all her boys, but it's clear from these scenes that she has hungered for a daughter to dote on. It's clear to the viewer, and it's clear to dumb baby bear Coover as well, who is obviously hurt by losing his place as Mama's favorite. As a reaction, he decides to wear Loretta's dad's watch. I can't decide if he was hoping Loretta would twig to it, but she's a quick one. All the pieces she's been trying not to let come together start to fall into place. To look for more proof, she goes to Coover's trailer to look for more evidence with a spiked joint. The conversation between Loretta and Coover manages to be poignant and malevolent at once. Loretta finds her father's watch and makes a quick call to Raylan before Coover, more immune to the charms of weed than Loretta anticipated, bursts in on her. Fortunately, Dickie interrupts and the initial diffusion of the tension is a short-lived relief as Dickie needles Coover into a rage over his jealousy. 
Choking Dickie unconscious, Coover again goes after Loretta. The next several minutes are incredibly tense as Raylan locates, then chases a high and giant man-child, chasing a child through a dark woods. Raylan, of course, comes through and kills Coover, who falls down the same mine shaft he threw Loretta's dad down. Despite seeing the terribleness of Coover, my heart still hurts in the last scene where Mags learns her son is dead and the daughter she wanted is lost to her. Mags Bennett is as ruthless a villain as Justified ever showed, and I think that's only enhanced by how much the viewer is invited by Margot Martindale to love her. Yes, she's a total monster. And she loves her kids and she wants them to have better and more than she has, which is really what all parents want. So... For making me empathize with both the good guys and the bad guys, and putting together a tense episode that really sets the future events of the season in motion, I submit Justified Season 2, Episode 9, Brothers Keeper, to the EHG canon, and I look forward to your discussion and potentially being voted down by even more great people. (laughs) (laughs) Eve chose this from our list of submissions, so Eve and Tim, why don't you each go first? I think this, I was... Once again, and I think I said this the last time we had a Justified episode, um, which I probably picked that one, too. Um, I am surprised at this episode, and maybe I just need to do a Justified rewatch because, like, single episodes, you know, are conflated in my head or something. Because this, to me, is an episode where... I agree. A lot of stuff happens, and it does set some things in motion. But we're still missing a lot of important characters. We do see art, um... It, you know, it towards the end, we don't see Rachel and Tim ever. And Tim, to me, is such an important character and justified. Um, I was felt like he was used just enough. Um, Tim showed up, was cool, shot someone and left. And, you know, I always adored that. This is not an episode where Boyd was really that Boydy. He was just sort of subdued. He was just more of a plot device. He showed up with some information and sort of made it happen. Um, I am certainly sympathetic to, you know, sort of Mag's concerns about a big company coming in and, uh, you know, fucking up the mountain. And I do think that she had, you know, her interests of her family or whatever at heart and, um, you know, as well as wanting to make a buck. But I do not agree that she loved her children. I do. I mean, that's the thing is that, yeah, Coover maybe is, you know, Angie said, you know, Coover is her favorite, but she did just smash up his hand. I <laughs> never really got the impression that she gave a shit about Dickie, who Jeremy Davies does such a great job with Dickie. And I feel like that's, you know, it, he's so twitchy and weird. And maybe you guys, since all of you are from like, you know, nice places. I went to high school with a thousand Dickies. So I, mean, <laughs> I do think that Dickie, this is, if this were an episode, if it were a Dickie canon or a Jeremy Davies canon, this, I would vote this episode in a heartbeat because I feel like this is maybe like the best Dickie episode of the show. Um, you know, I think that we get that nice sort of, uh, we see why Mags loves Loretta when she's pushing the pot on Coover. Um, you know, we see that flash of why Loretta was such a great ju- drug dealer and um, we get to see Raylan kill someone, which is always important. But this is not like a glamorous Raylan homicide. Um, this is like a, you know, expedient one. But then at the end, when we see Mags, I don't see, believe that we see Mags loving or missing her son. She moves on past Coover being dead really fast and says that she wants to talk to Loretta. And there's something about that that I that makes me a lot less sympathetic to her. I guess I just sort of had the 
opposite reaction uh, that Angie did, even though this was a great presentation. So I don't know. I'm sort of left with like a it's an odd and uneven episode. And if I had just seen this and I hadn't watched the rest of Justified, I don't know if I would have been into the show the way that I truly am. Tim, I'm going to agree with you, Eve, for once. What? Yeah. No, I. It, it's tough because Margot Martin, Martindale is always good and she's always compelling. So it's 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 tough because, you know, it's kind of like all eyes are on her. But sort of to jump to the end of the episode, um, to your point, she said, oh, can I just speak to her and, you know, just one more time? And Raylan's like, no. She goes, OK, then let's go. You realize she was just bullshitting him. The entire time. Oh, do you think so? Oh, yeah. yeah because she sure. changes I real agree. quick. Her, her, she drops her cry face instantly. Oh, yeah. Because she knows she's she's not going to get what she wants. She's all, oh, is that my boy up there? Oh, can I see her? It's like, no. She wants to get her hands on that girl as much as I do think she loves that girl. And I do think that's the daughter she never had. But more that her loving her, her sons, um, I always felt that she felt that she was stuck with them. Like, well, I'm stuck with this. I'm going to give them a job in the family business, but that's about all I'm going to give you, you know? And if you fuck up, uh, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to get the switch, you know, and these are like grown men. And I think she's a really, really good and hard businesswoman. Um, but, um, yeah, not I, the best parent, not 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 the best parent. But um, th- th- I think and I th- actually think that last scene is the real turning point for me, where it was like the second she knows she's not going to be able to see that girl. And who knows what she really would have done if she got a hold of that girl, you know, sure. she, she might have because that might have sort of connected her to the the. Was it apple pieing? I love that, love that term. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, that, was pieing, good. that was good. Um, because the second she knew she wasn't her, she's like, all right, let's get out of here. And she just drops, like, as you say, the, the crybaby face. Uh, good episode? Yes. Great episode? Uh, not sure. It, it is. It's odd. But and also, I mean, that's one of the things. We should, certainly shouldn't glamorize killing, but we are turning in to see you know, John Wayne, basically, you know, and um, or John McClane or something like that. Um, you know, he does some gun twirling and does something cool with his pistol. And this is just like, you know, he basically just point blank, like, bam, down Which the shaft. Which he had to do. Like, I'm not, of course, it, I'm just saying. In my opinion, it wasn't justified. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Can we talk about hair for a second? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, first thing that he said is like, wow, it really made strides and hair plugs. Well, no, I just, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant, I, in my opinion, Timothy Oliphant had hair replacement surgery. And if you disagree with me, go watch Scream 2 right now. Go watch Go. Or Go. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> wow. But then it's like. It's look, really good. You look at him and then you look at Boyd and his, you know, watching this, I think when we watched it initially, we did not have HGTV and now we do. And Boyd's wig is so bad. It is a piece of it basically it's a piece of black dyed troll doll fur glued on the top of skin. Yeah. But he still has the same hair and vice principles, basically. You don't think that's his real well, hair? Well maybe I he just think carries he has bad around hair. a little troll doll with him and, yeah, and where's the Elmer's glue? Let's do it. <laughs> you know? Um, but it, it is it is amazing the strides they've made. Do it nice and slow. Tom Cruise, uh Timothy Oliphant. I yeah. mean, Kids. They're, they're, they're the industry standards, yeah. in our opinion. Yes. Man. <laughs> I mean, 
I know we're talking about the cannon, but really, I mean, the hair. But you know what? If we were going to have a wig cannon or a hair replacement cannon, Timothy Oliphant would be yes, in it. Yes, then would be it MVP. would be a winner. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I do agree with Angie. Season two is, I think, undisputably the best season of Justified, which makes this difficult because, like, we have to grading on a curve is even more it's even harder for this season because uh, other than the Winona episode the Winona money stealing episode that she mentioned which is the worst mm-hmm. um picking what's going to be the best episode of this season is hard and I thought this one was good um I do think the Carol stuff was great when she comes out and she's like, I got to make a call. And then she comes out with that huge smile on her face with like none totally dead eyes. Like Rebecca Kreskoff is excellent in this role. Um, and when she has that exchange with Mags where she's like, you got your deal. And then she said, you, you claimed at the meeting that you were doing all this for the community and they're going to take the top off this mountain. You don't even care. And Mags's answer is like, I, it, it, nothing really changes around here you know, all that matters to her is getting the money. And like, it's incredibly cynical from both of them. But at the same time, it's like, Carol, why are you lecturing her about what they're going to do the mountain when you work for that company? And Meg's kind of has a point. I mean, it's awful, the environmental degradation that's about to happen. And, you know, the long term damage that's going to be done to this community. But like, if she does own 4% of the company, potentially she could, I mean, who knows, like, there's no good answer here. And I think the, the episode does a good job of like, you know, selling out both of their shitty positions because, you know, there is there is no good answer, really. Um, And I also take her point about Loretta, Angie's point about Loretta. Loretta is an excellent character. She was always welcome to me when she would come back later. And especially in the final season when her she she returns to sort of talk about what it's going to mean for for Harland if legal weed happens and that's a very timely discussion to have and certainly you know again very socially relevant at the time and now um and this is the episode where we really get to see you know how brave and smart loretta actually is because she's in an incredibly difficult situation and she acquits herself as well as anyone potentially could although phoning Raylan in a room with a sleeping um Dicky, uh, not the best, but whatever. <laughs> like that, he you know he didn't wake up because of her, so I guess it works. But but yeah, the problem is like, is this even the best episode of season two? It's been a while since I watched it, but I'm going to say probably not. And you know, for all the turning point reasons that she she mentions for the plot, like she's right, stuff is set in motion, but then the payoff is several episodes after this. So uh, you know. It's it's a tough one. Good presentation, but uh, I'm not so sure, Dave. Yeah, if the judgment is, you know, season two is the best season and what is the best episode of season two? And that is the one that we can put up for the canon from season two. Like if that is an argument, and I think that's fair. I mean, it doesn't have to be just one canon, but, you know. Right. It, it, it's, it's a great season and let's, why not? Let's put the best one up there. I mean, I think my go-to would be the the conclusion of the uh you know, the Apple saga. That was a great yeah, moment. The finale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, why this episode I found was really good is that it really is a showcase for the best part of season two, which is Mags. Yeah. Uh, you know, her involvement elevated this show to a point that it had never reached again. Like they never had a foil, a villain as well drawn and as well acted as Mags Bennett. And not even close. Yeah. Like the show, mm-hmm. you know, it was always fun to watch. 
and you know it always stayed true to its tone but it just never really had anything near what mags brought to the table and this episode i feel like you get a lot of different sides to mags you get the the schemer you get the no nonsense you know mother such as it is as everybody was saying like i think there is love in her heart but she is just fed up with her kids and and I, loretta is like you know the second chance at mm-hmm. somebody she could raise and be proud of and somebody that could potentially take over her legacy that she is putting the groundwork for in this episode which she kind of ends up doing in the end of right. the season of yeah. the series rather yeah. yep um so for me, like I do agree that there are better there's a better season two episode out there, and I would say it's probably a finale. And I would also say that I probably wouldn't vote for this particular episode as a canon episode just for that reason, but that this episode is still really good. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Uh what was the actor's name you're talking about that plays the the company liaison? Rebecca Kraskoff. Yeah, she's great here. That moment where she comes back and she's just got that I just had to eat the biggest shit sandwich in the world. <laughs> yep. Like look on her face. Yeah. It's like you sold so much uh-huh. in like two seconds there. Mm-hmm. Um that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean the eyes say shit sandwich and then the the mouth says, uh, you know, the smile says, you know, company woman yeah. that I got to do it, yep. exactly. you know, and it's it's so well done. Yeah, it is really good. Um, uh, another reason I like this episode is no Arlo. Arlo really bugged me. I, ne- <laughs> I never liked his character or anything about him. I completely him. agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of felt like he was a caricature on the show. I mean, not that the show's, it kind of delved into caricatures sometimes, obviously, like... um what's his nut with the Hitler tattoo on his neck and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He it was just like a, a dirty handkerchief. I just couldn't, didn't want to be involved. <laughs> no, he was, he, he was the real life version of the grandpa from King of the Hill. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a plus in my book, but I agree with what Tara's bringing to the table, which is there are better episodes in season two than this one, which is um, not to, um, You'll say this is a bad episode, but here we are. Right. So let's put this to a vote. Eve, Beatty, what say you? Um, I think this was a great presentation, and I'm glad we got to it before 2021, but I am going to vote no. <laughs> Tim? A good episode. Uh, not great episode. I am going to vote no, but I do want to thank Angie for the term apple pied <laughs> that I will now steal from her, but I will, I will give her credit whenever I say it to someone yeah. before I give them the apple pie. Yes, thank you for the opportunity to watch it again. It really made me want to rewatch Justified from the beginning, like I say every time we do it. But um, this is yeah. this is not the high point of season two for me, so I'm going to vote regretfully. No, yeah, I agree with everything everybody said. The presentation was excellent, and the tone and use of swears, mwah. <laughs> but alas, that means Justified season two, episode nine, Brothers Keeper. Although the panel thought it was a good episode. Perhaps falling just shy of canon worthiness relative to other episodes of the season. So you are hereby not inducted into the extra. Americans love a winner. Yeah. 
and will not tolerate a loser. No. It is time for winner and a loser of the week. Tara doing double duty this week. Take it away. Correct. Uh, winner of the week is Gareth Edwards, the director of Rogue One, has uh, been uh, is getting another one of his uh, projects turned into a TV series. The Excellent Monsters, which is on Netflix, I think, still. That's what we watched it on, probably. Yeah, sure. Look it up in your Just Watch app. Um, it's my plug for Just Watch, which I check every day. The app that tells you what is streaming and on what. Uh, anyway, um, Channel 4 in the UK is adapting Monsters as a TV series, which I think is a very cool idea. There was It was excellent as a film, but there's a huge amount of potential for branching off from what we see in the film. So I think that's really cool, and I'm excited to see it possibly to fly to England to see it whenever it happens. (laughs) Yeah. And loser. Loser. We have a few Aziz Ansari. You've read the headlines. Um, Some problematic reporting on his disgracement story, certainly from babe.net was maybe not quite up to snuff of where you would want a story this sensitive to be, but yikes and um uh gonna say also eve put someone in the dock so i'll throw it to eve go ahead um elijah dushku who i think that all of us you know think fondly of because of her role as faith and um you know also as echo on dollhouse has come forward um with uh, some disturbing allegations regarding a stunt coordinator joel kramer who worked with her on um true lives uh the arnold schwarzenegger um Tom Arnold, Jamie Lee Curtis movie from long ago. Um, and uh, the um, allegations are, you know, upsetting. And as with so many of these stories, uh, sort of sadly convincing, there is a ring of truth to it. Which And more people have come out to corroborate what she said as well. This We should also say this is a TV story because he now works on Westworld, at least as of this recording. Yeah, and he and he. As of as of today, and it's um, Tuesday, he continues to be employed by Westworld. Um, and so, you know, that's worth considering that there are young people who work on that show as well. Um, but one of the things that I'd like to point out is that uh, following, uh, you know, the, her sort of her she put, put it on Facebook. Um, Tom Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger have both tweeted in support of her, which in, you know, sort of this climate where, you know, so recently the Golden Globes guys were sort of silent about stuff, seeing people and arguably sort of conservative, fogeyish people like Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold saying that they believe this young woman, well, she's not young, she's our age, but, you know, that they believe Elijah Dushku is to me sort of heartening and nice too. And I guess it's uh, up to uh, the people behind Westworld to decide if they want to continue working with Joel Kramer. Yeah, James Cameron also um, decried what he had heard because oh, he, he, yeah, he was at, uh, he was, I forget what he was promoting at TCA press tour, but he said he was very upset about it, you know, finding out about this after the fact. I mean, it's always hard for me to necessarily credit those kinds of things where it's like, if you're the director, what don't you know about what happens on your set, but whatever. And he also had to be like, as the father of daughters, which apparently even in the room, people oh. were like, oh God. Um, but still, again, he didn't try to, he he was, he certainly was communicating that he believed her report and was upset by it. So that's good for him as well. None of these people said, why didn't she leave? I'm just saying. Uh, no, they did not. Do you think uh, some of the, st- uh, some of the stuff is even more sensitive, um, not only because she was like 12 or something at the time, but 
I, I get the feeling that Tom Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, James Cameron, that their memory of who she is, she's still 12. Yeah. Like what, when yeah. they look back, mm-hmm. it's like like when they think of that, they don't think of this grown woman. They think like, oh, my God, she this 12 year old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, do you think that it that it that it. It, that it um it, it heightens it or puts an exclamation point on it you know yeah. that- no i get it i mean i'm sure that's part of it it's hard to imagine that it wouldn't be that you know their their memories of her was that she was an actual child making that show anyway on the lighter side uh we'll end this with a loser of the week co-loser is um according to a mail uh a, a, a email blast that i got from names.org um there are 13 baby names that are on the rise uh, that have been popularized by Game of Thrones. So losers of the week, everyone, all of the 370 baby girls born in 2016 who were named Khaleesi. Oh, good luck no. to you. Oh, boy. Uh, I got a, two pieces of follow-up I forgot to stick in around the dial, so I'm just going to stick it in here so I don't forget another week. Uh, number one, Norseman that I recommended based on the first couple episodes really falls apart at the end of the first episode. Uh, first yeah, season. <laughs> uh there are some uh homophobic stuff in there i'm gonna say i'm gonna and uh and the other piece is the terror uh post show um we did find out that there is some sort of non-man versus man terror aspect happening does not change my answer still into it i would say Mm -hmm. into it even a little bit more now that Mm. we have proper english people having to battle the elements their fellow man the demon within themselves and perhaps a demon outside the boat. So uh, <laughs> the terror, uh, even looking forward to it a little bit more. Uh, speaking Correct. about looking forward to things just a little bit more, do you know what time it is? This <laughs> game regulation game time. So by the way, January 16th also marks the time uh, the first time in history, mankind true lies was referred to as an Arnold Schwarzenegger Tom Arnold movie. Uh, this is a non-regulation game time week because Sarah is sick. Uh, what is she sick with? I don't know. Guess hashtag what Sarah sick. On Twitter. Don't. Today we are playing Return of the Steep Incline Climber from Teresa, uh-huh. who earns herself an extra credit redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of her choosing. You may remember this format. Joe Reed brought us this format a couple years ago. Each answer in this game is a number. You will accrue points based on how far the guess is from the correct answer. All right. The lowest score at the end of the game wins. A bullseye. (laughs) Got it. If you answer exactly the number in question, a bullseye subtracts 10 points from your score. Remember, lower score wins. And here's an extra bit of information. The Growthworth Equalizer Challenge Zone today, if you win, chops your point total in half. Ooh. All right. So it's very important. All right. I won't mention steel meals because they are not really applicable in this case. Yeah, don't use them today. All right. Well, I mean, you wouldn't anyway, but they they wouldn't. I don't know how they would even work because of how the game works. Let's throw it to the person in control choosing initiative, otherwise known as Picky 3000. To see who's going to go first. That was for Tim's benefit. <laughs> we will start with valued guest. All right. So I'm going to start with Tim. I'm going to throw him into the deep end right away. Follow up All with right. Eve and then Tatara. Are we ready to play the return of the steep incline climber? Yes, 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 All right, yes. Round one. 
years between the premieres of the following two shows. Everybody uh-huh. has four questions in this round. All right, Tim. Yes. The years in between the premiere of the original Dallas and the Dallas reboot. Okay. And Tara, maybe do you have a calculator handy that you can do points sort of? Uh, sure. Okay. I'm going to say 25 years. All right. The actual number of years between the two, 34. So you Holy have nine Jesus. points to your name. All right. Fuck. Eve. Yes. Beverly Hills 90210 and 90210. 14. 18. Four points. Huh. Oh, man. Good. Tara. Nice, nicely done. Yes. Star Search and American Idol. Um, Here's between the premieres. Right. Um, 20. 29. 29. So you have nine points. Okay. All right. Homicide and Law and Order SVU, Tim. Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm going to say 20. Ooh. Mm. I'm actually going to give you a wrong buzz for that one because you're 14 years off, six years between the premieres. What? Of both of those. Law That's and Order insane. has been out for a long time. SVU, yeah. Sesame Street and Barney and Friends. Um, 23. Perfect. Yes. What? You now have 10 less points than you had last round. You might even have Guys, I told you, now. the cooler version she of does, myself is me. Oh my God, that's negative amazing. Negative six points. All right. <laughs> Tatara. Yep. The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers. Um, 20 years. 22 years. Mm, Two points. Hey. ER and Grey's Anatomy, Tim. Oh man, I see. I just want to keep saying like 20. I'll say 20. 11. 11 years in between those two. <laughs> Are you sure it's not 20? I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Oh, okay. Full House and Fuller House. Um, Say 20. No. Hang on. (laughs) I'm going to give you a hint. There is no answer in this game that is 20. (laughs) Okay. Full House and Fuller House and its premieres, right? Um, 21. (laughs) 22. (laughs) 19. 19. Oh, Twin Peaks and the Twin Peaks reboot relaunch thing that happened. 31. 27. Shit. 27. All right. The Flash with uh, John Wesley Ship and The Flash new show. What? I don't, I don't even know the first one. Well, you're shit out of luck, aren't you? <laughs> I know what you okay. guess. How, is it Is it 20. Okay, okay, it's 19. Okay, here's the sad part. It's 24, and you got an extra point because of... Yes! Because of of your 20-ness. All right, if you guessed 20, you only had a four. So, okay, so that's five points for Tim. And uh, I missed one here. Why do I have... Oh, okay, here we go. This is for uh, Eve. Project Runway and Project Runway Junior. Oh. Uh, eight. Eleven. Good guess. Ugh. All right. Nice. Last question on round one. Bring us into our first score break and our first equalizer challenge zone. 
Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> 33 years. 21 years. 21 oh, years in between those two. All right, Tar Ariano, can I help the scores, please? Um, that was 12 points for me, right, That's on the right. last one? Okay. Uh, Eve is in the lead with five. I'm in second place with 27. Tim has 36. All right, Tim, here's yeah. your chance to axe your points in half. Oh what you need to do is I have in front of me a card from the Trivial Pursuit TV box from the mid-90s. Okay. I'm going to ask you all questions. If you get oh half God. of these right, that is three questions. You win. Are you ready? Yes. This is the classics category. Okay. Who's the only human on Gilligan's Island without an extra set of clothes? Without an extra set of clothes. Um, I'm going to say Gilligan. The professor. The professor. Oh, he had that hat. Yeah. Sitcom. Sitcoms. What show saw Stalag 13 being guarded by nincompoops, Colonel Clink, and Sergeant Schultz? Uh, Hogan's Heroes. Good for one Speaking point. of racist against Germans. <laughs> I was just thinking. We tell about that's like a family reunion. That's good. <laughs> what show saw Jim Phelps get instructions from a self-destructing tape recorder? What? Oh, this is easy if you think about it. What show saw Jim Phelps get instructions from a self-destructing tape recorder? Oh, um, Mission Impossible. Woo! Kids and games. What former Tonight Show sidekick hosted the daytime version of Concentration from 58 to 69? Um, um, Ed McMahon? Two mm. downs. Oh, what Jesus. Okay. Huh. All right. This is stars. The answer is a, a star. Or Actually, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Eh, all right. What Cheers character left the bar to become a writer? What Cheers character? Left the Cheers bar. character. Um, Norm? Uh, Norm reserved to the bitter end. That's Diane. <laughs> Diane. All right. So you got to oh, get this one. Of course she would. got to get this one. Oh, okay. This is wild card. How many years was the original run of Newhart? <laughs> Very on point for our game this week. Must answer correctly. <laughs> to the point. Uh, I'm going to say whole, the original Newhart. The original, yeah. The, 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 the sitcom. Uh, Wait, I'm going to say... Newhart or the Bob Newhart show? Newhart. Newhart. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 10 years. Years. There were two new heart shows. There's a variety show yeah. and a Vermont hotel show. Yeah. And Bob Newhart show is yet another different show. All right. You didn't get All it, right, but we're on to round two. Here we go. Number of episodes in these nonfiction shows. Tim. Oh, me again. Yeah. Yes. We're back to the game. Julia. <laughs> okay. The French chef. What's that? Number now? Of episode. Oh my God, Tim, you're killing me. What <laughs> number of episodes in these nonfiction shows? Julia Child's The French Chef. How many episodes did that run for? 
Um, 30. What? <laughs> 202. Wow. That sounds like a good show. Eve. Yes. Forensic Files. Oh, no. This is, See, that's mine. This can really sink my score. Um, uh, 328. 404. Fuck. 404. Tara, Trading Spaces. Oh, boy. 212. 382. 382. All right, back to Tim. Here we Alrighty. go. Beachfront Bargain Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Finally Beach something I know. Um, Beachfront Bargain Hunt. I'm going to say 16. What? 208. That was going to be my second answer. Eight. Swear to God. All right, Eve. Yes. Say yes to the dress. How many episodes did say yes to the dress have? Um, I assume this refers to the original and not like the city spinoffs. I think. They right, 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 right. Yeah, I think I think that that's probably. Um, I'm going to say um, 211. 271. Motherfucker. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. These, mm. are, these are big. These are big numbers, guys. You're going to guess wrong. Eve, you're you know. still well in the lead. Yeah. Reading Rainbow. Reading mm. Rainbow, Tara. Oh. Jesus Christ. Um, six hundred. Oh, hundred and fifty-five. Fuck what? you. <laughs> really? Hundred and fifty-five. That's a brutal. That's a brutal difference, Tara. All right, right, back to Tim. Is it? Thank oh, you. Yeah, it is. Ice Road Truckers. Ice Road Trucker. <laughs> oh my god, this is fucking lunacy. Um, I'm gonna say 400. 128. Wow. 128. Galloping Gourmet. The Galloping Gourmet. Uh, um, 248. 65. Shit. Miami Inc. Um... Emmy Inc. 95. Close. 80. 80. Oh, Damn. Well done. Tiny House Hunters, Tim. Oh, shit. Come I on, actually... we watched this. Yeah, I know, but there's been so many. I don't know. <laughs> tiny um, House Tiny House Hunters. Okay. We're now, gonna, I'm going to say. Have a question. Are the houses yeah. tiny or the hunters tiny? <laughs> that's offensive. Um, that's sizest. And okay, I'm gonna say seventy, eighty-five. Close. Boom. Wow. Cosmos. Cosmos. Um. Uh. We're talking okay. the original. Yeah, the original. yeah, yeah. The one where you get the DVDs when you pledge. Um. Uh. Thirty-eight. Thirteen. Thirteen. Oh God damn it. Yeah. All right, last one of this round. Bill Nye, the science guy, Tara. <sighs> Bill Nye, the science guy. 84. 100. Close. 100. Good. All right. Good one. That brings us to the end of round two. Let's hear the scores, Tara. Say, I, I, I missed that. Say, what, what did I say and what was the answer? 100. 100 was the answer, so I go up by 20. 
What did I say? 84, I believe. Okay. Let's enjoy this yodel music. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm doing math. math. Lots of numbers involved this week. Okay. Um, I'm going to need the difference for Eve's last one, too. It was 25, right? Yes. Okay. Eve is still in the lead with 349. Tim and I are very, very close. I have 673. He has 687. Okay. All right, everybody. That means that, Tim, you're back in Equalizer Challenge. Hey, Grandpa, keep down the yodeling. <laughs> All right, here you go. You know the drill classics. Who first hosted Texaco Star Theater on June 8th, 1948 and soon became Mr. Television? Bob Hope? Or to put it another way, who's Mr. Television? Yeah. Not Bob Hope. He said Bob Hope. Um, oh. Milton Burrell. Oh. Sitcoms. What 70s sitcom wife was once mauled by a rapist? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Famous episode. It was. Roast beef. Mm-hmm. Who is this for? This is for you. This oh, is you. Still? These are all for you. My God, you guys, now you understand, right? Now you understand. Well, I thought it was what to you. To German efficiency. Uh, that's, I, yeah, I've been German here. lack of ability to pay yeah. attention. This is just the the equalizer zone. It's only for you. Oh, it's only for me. Together, Tim. Let's go. <laughs> no, what? What? Good question. The rapist thing. God. Sitcom wife <laughs> raped in the seventies. Seventy sitcom wife was once mauled by a rapist. Is the question. Right. She Thank you for making me repeat the question, Tim. Oh, oh, Jesus! Uh, no fuck. I. I said it involved a roast beef. Yep. Yeah. Do you uh, know? No, I do not know. I'm sorry. That is all in the family. That is Edith Bunker. Alrighty. Edith Bunker. All right. Drama, Tim. Yes. Still you. Yeah. What you? It's me then. Yep. Mm-hmm. What U.S. Uh, president was un- uncannily played, according to this question, by Rip Torn in the miniseries Blind Ambition. Ronald Reagan. Richard Nixon. Mm. All right, you need all these. Okay. What series centered around a uh, 007 like squirrel and his sidekick, Morocco Mole? Yeah, yeah I don't know this one. A secret squirrel. Oh. All right, I'm going to put you out of misery. Let's get back to the game. If I might make a suggestion, I don't know how many rounds you have, but maybe one this more. one should be the last round because he's got to go. This is the last round. Excellent. How about that? Number of episodes of a show written by a Pacific writer. All right. Okay. Here we go. Tim. Yes. This is you. We're back to the game. Got it. Dan Harmon, Community. How many episodes of Community did he write? Too many. Did he write? I'm going to say 35. Eight. Mm. Eight episodes. How many episodes of the X-Files did history's greatest acting robot, David Duchovny, write? <laughs> um, five. Close. Three. Good Three. one. How many episodes of Breaking Bad did Vince Gilligan write? Um, 15. 13. Good Ooh. one. All right, Tim. How many episodes of the X-Files did Gillian Anderson write? Four. One. Mm. One. 
how many episodes, uh, Eve, of Law & Order SVU did Dick Wolf write? Uh, um, uh, 18. One. What? One. Wow. Yeah. Jane Eppinson, Espison, how many episodes of Once Upon a Time did she write? I didn't know that she wrote any, so I'm going to say eight. 26. What? episodes. Same writer, but the show is now Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I'm going to say... say Buffy the Vampire Just like a, this different show. Four. A Nightcrawler. 22. Mm. 22. Daniel Palladino wrote how many episodes of the Gilmore Girls? Daniel Palladino? Daniel mm. Palladino. Um, uh, eight. Oh, no. 44. Oh. 44. How many episodes of The Simpsons did Conan O'Brien write? Five? Close. Four. Damn it. Good. How many episodes of Samantha Who did Pamela Ribbon write? <gasps> oh. A name that means nothing to Fifteen. Tim. Fifteen. <laughs> Three. Three. All right. Eve's last question. Seth Myers, how many episodes of Documentary Now did Seth Myers write? Um uh he wrote two. He wrote five. Oh. Five. And our last question of the game. Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> How many episodes of One Tree Hill did Chad Michael Murray write? Oh my god. Um, I'm gonna say zero because that should be the answer. It is very close. He wrote one. <laughs> one right. episode. Let's hear the final scores, please, Tara. Well, Tim remained in last place, but very valiant efforts. 747 for Tim, 695 for me. Eve is our victor with 407. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Good job, Eve. I'm mad this wasn't regulation. (laughs) Not only the winner, but the only person to get a bullseye. That is it for this episode of Extra Hot Great Guys. We doubled down for our discussion of Star's parallel universe spy thriller, Counterpart, before going around the dial with stops at Alone Together, The Fosters, The Magicians, Dr. Pimple Popper, and Wormwood. <laughs> Angie unsuccessfully justified her canon pitch for Brothers Keepers. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Eve was the winner of this week's game time. Remember, we're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariana, gotta go to my clogging gig. Eve Beatty. Hey, so Tara and Dave, does this count as a double date? And Tim, <laughs> yes, and Tim Ailed. Big game winner. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> listening, and we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hungry. There will be nothing left to say. And believe me, Eric, the last thing you want is me with nothing left to say. This has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.